Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 11. Pastor Ray built this thing up, man. I'm telling you, he's ready for it. The Lord's Prayer. Lord's Prayer. Honestly, we've chatted about this no less than, what, three times this week? We've talked about it and talked through this message. What a, what a weighty passage. How do, how do I, as a pastor, um, you know, preach a sermon about Jesus' words on how to pray? Like, that's just, what a tall task. You know what I mean? Like, if I were in any industry, right, um, it's like being a, in charge of a huge sales team and, and your boss hits you with a quota that's double any metric that you've ever hit. And, and, and you're just like, how? <laughs> what are you going to do? Give me more staff? Are you going you gonna to expand my budget to reach, you know, all these people, this quota that you think I can hit and manage, like with what I have here? Oh, I believe you can do it. And then they just walk away. How many of you have, have had bosses like that in the past, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll just stop right there. I saw your hand. <laughs> that was really funny. Inside jokes. Um, there, we've all had moments in our lives where we're like, man, that's just a tall task. That's how I felt this week as a pastor approaching this passage. So weighty. The disciples, you know, the 12, the, the inner circle, well, the 11 that really cared about it. Uh, you know, and what they did for the church age, some of you got it. <laughs> but, but like they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And these words here are eternal, living powerful words that we're about to dive into and I want to get it right I want to stay true to the text I want to give you because because if we get this right you're going to have a sustainable Christian life if if we can walk away and and together agree that yes that is what Jesus was saying and that is what we are going to do and then make it a habit and a discipline in our lives you will make it through I say that with all confidence. If this morning hits your heart and then hits your feet, you're going to be okay. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever problem, whatever heartache, whatever issue, you're going to be all right if we get this right. So I, I just I approach this with reverence, with care, and uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to do this. Um, how, how many of you don't have green on this morning? Okay, pincher, hurry quickly, pincher, no. Uh, anybody have plans? Anybody made reservations today for St. Patty's Day dinner? No? I saw Alice's down here. They're, they're taking reservations. How many have been to Alice's? It's a good spot, isn't it? That's nice. They're doing a good job with it. I think the last time I went, I had, uh, what did I have? Pork chops. I went with them after y'all. <laughs> this has become my spot. <laughs> She's like, you had a salad. No, I was there one more time. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> no, they, Mr. Dan and his wife took, took me there last week. I don't tell my wife. Oh, wait, she's here. She was homesick with our children. Sure, you have something that you really need to talk to the pastor about, right? Yeah, they do, babe. I can't miss this lunch. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, those, were good. those were good pork chops. They were really good. <laughs> Alice's. All right, I'm dodging. I'm deflecting. Here we go. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Man, we come to you this morning without. We come to you this morning just broken. We we can't offer you anything on our end. But Father, you have given us everything when you gave us Jesus. And we're asking this morning that through your word, you would speak to each individual heart, speak to our church collectively this morning, those that, will, that are sick, that are at home, that I've already texted or, or tried to call me in the middle of the service, uh, Father, those that are at home, I pray that they would listen this week and, and that they would be helped. Father, I pray that you would just help us navigate this text with your Holy Spirit. Illuminate the passage. Show us what is there. What we need to know, what we need to do. Father, God, my words, God, my thoughts. And help me to be true to what is here in this eternal word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to bounce around a lot. If you don't have a Bible, there'll be some of the text on the screen, but there's some in your pew backs. And if you don't have a Bible in general, we've had a few that have asked. 
Uh, we've had some donated, so don't leave today uh, without a Bible. Rob, raise your hand. If you need a Bible, see Rob, and uh, I'll tell Rob where they are, and then he'll give them to you, okay? Uh, so don't leave without a Bible. We want you to have the Word of God. So Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, uh, 1 through 4, actually, and then we'll get to the rest here in a minute. So 1 through 4. Read this with me. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We'll stop there and we'll tell a portion. I'm going to walk you through this text. And then I'm going to take you to other places in the Bible that I feel are relevant to the point that Jesus is trying to make. Okay, So that's what we're going to do. If you have a pen, jot it down. If you want to do that later when, when you go back and listen to it again, that's fine. Uh, but that's kind of how we're going to uh, treat this passage here. Remember, just a little bit of background, there's another uh, passage in Matthew that talks about the Lord's Prayer. It's not uh, really disagreed upon among scholars that this was separate from and a different prayer, if you will. So kind of two different prayers, two different instances. If you believe they were the same, that's okay. Um, but the point is, is in different accounts in the gospel, there's different wordings, different things. Luke, as we've seen once again, is historically accurate, bringing bare-bone facts, step-by-step, uh, step, what is essential for the story and for us to walk away with. That's something that we're seeing over and over in his account, in his gospel. So what is here is essential. It is word-by-word word something that we need to understand and grasp and take hold of. So this specific account, here in Luke chapter 11 of the Lord's Prayer, uh, we see that the disciples approach him as he was praying. And it was often that Jesus would isolate during prayer. There's going to be a lot of things that I say that I could dig into, but I'm not going to. Uh, and I hope that some of it spurs more study on, and maybe something that stands out to you in the story that I don't have time to, to get. I could probably preach this passage in, in ten weeks, right? But we're going to do it in one week. Um, so uh, there are things that I could say that maybe that triggers something where you're like, wow, why did he do that? Or how did he do that? Write it down and you study it. Or text me this week. Or let's, let's dialogue about that in the church Facebook group. Something uh, where we can continue this conversation. How many of you want to have a good prayer life? Yeah. How many of you want to feel like you are connecting with God during your prayer life? Let me ask you this. It's okay. You can be honest. How many of you feel like my prayer life is just mediocre? It's just mediocre. Wow. And you know what? If you feel like it's really good right now, chances are there's going to come a time where you feel like it's mediocre in that relationship. So it, it's super weighty what we're dealing with. But we find that the disciples approach Jesus and say, hey, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. That should be interesting for some of you, right? The fact that John the Baptist taught and trained his disciples. So my first question is, who are your disciples? Who are those that you are bringing along the path, and what are you teaching them? Here's the free nuggets, right? Are you teaching them to pray, or are you teaching them to act like you? Are we in a process of duplication, right? Or are we in a process of transformation? Do we try to duplicate ourselves? Let me tell you something, that won't last. A church full of mats running around will only stand for maybe about a week. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. You don't want to duplicate. You want to be who you are in Jesus and your individuality come out through the Spirit of God as He leads you. But there are essentials and non-essentials. And one essential that we find in discipleship, I would say John the Baptist did it really well, right? Preparing the way for Jesus. And what Jesus is now doing for His disciples was teaching them to pray. So, if you're leading people, lead them to pray. And if you're a disciple, which you are because you're sitting here, learn to pray. 
So you should see, too, the importance of teaching others and the importance of being taught. So if prayer is not a priority, if it's not something close to the top of your list, and it's something that you do three times a day, or maybe four or five in 30-second increments, you know what that is? Bless this food, right? Or six or seven times a day. I don't know how often you eat. It's okay. Uh, But if you do intermittent fasting, you know, maybe once a day. I don't know. However often as you eat, right? If that's the level of importance prayer has in your life, I pray before I eat. Then you have a problem. There is an issue. And it's just not taken heart. And so we see that the disciples, need we uh, go back to all that they've already been through? And at this point, they go, you know what? We need what? Prayer. And how many of you, God has led you through so many crazy things, and you're just looking at yourself in the mirror going, I look exhausted. (laughs) These are bags under my eyes. I do need medication. (laughs) Teach me to pray. (laughs) Right? You can almost sense that. Need we talk about all the things that these disciples have already been through. But what do we do? We go to the earthly resources. We go to essential oils. (laughs) No, okay. I don't know why I bag on that so much. I use them. Where's Mo at? Man, where's Mo when you need him? That boy smells like lavender a mile away. He's coming up. Come here. Just, I love him so much. They are essential oils. I'm deflecting. Back to the text. So the point is, you have to turn to something, right? And unfortunately, I've seen so many people turn to sin. So many people turn to addiction. So many people turn to something that will fill the void of what you're looking for. You see, we're created communal. God created us in His image. That's why prayer exists. This is the Lord's prayer because we were made in the image of God. So therefore, all the other things that you have a desire for and an inkling for, be careful because that could be the very thing that Satan is using to allure you and tempt you away from prayer. Because he knows if you pray, you're going to win. If you commune with the Holy God, if you connect to the power source, the phone is going to get charged. You know what I'm saying. You're going to go to 100%. You're going to be someone who's going to accomplish something for God because you're going to realize after this morning that prayer is bringing heaven to earth. It's calling in the resources. It's calling in that mortar shot. I need air support. I need a strike. I got something crazy going on and I can't accomplish it. Bring heaven to earth. That's what it is. But how many of you, you get to that point, you're like, I need it! And then we fall short. (laughs) And then we go back to the refrigerator. You know what I'm saying. Or we go back to the fill in the blank. That relationship that's unhealthy. You're getting to that point for a reason. God's using life and life circumstances to bring you to the edge of prayer. And instead of belly flopping, come on, into prayer... We fall on our face. Man, i got to get in it. i got to get in the text. Look at it, verse number 1. And it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, the disciples said unto him, teach us to pray. There's an implication there that this is a process. I caution you to think that you got it all together. I caution you to think that you figured it out. Teach me. This is something that's a learned behavior. Right? It's a learned behavior, church. You don't just get saved and get prayer. It's a process. Okay? Verse 2, and he said unto them, right, pull up a chair, fellas. Come on. Let's have a chat. And Jesus said unto him, unto his disciples, when ye pray... So, you know, I put when ye pray, and then I put in parentheses, not a set timeline. I'm not here this morning to tell you three times a day. There are other religions, there are other things that put parameters and things in place, and those are specific set times that you pray. What did Jesus say about the timing of prayer? What did he say? When you do it. In other words, what that frequency needs to look like in your life, and I'll say this, there are certain times in life that you will understand praying without ceasing more than others. But he doesn't, and we can use other texts and we will, but not, not for this point. My point is, is, generally speaking, when it comes to prayer, don't put yourself necessarily in a box. 
That's all I'm saying about that. When ye pray, next words, say it with me. Our Father. Say, Our Father. Say it again. Our Father. Let's think about the times. I've heard this out of context so much. But within context, remember who was the person that was in opposition to Jesus the most. Was it the disciples or the Pharisees? The Pharisees. They were constantly the ones coming around. You know, it's funny. When I was doing a little research on this, I think only one time was God referred to as Father in the Old Testament. I think only one time. My memory could be failing me, but I think that's what it was. The point was is that the Jews in the Old Testament prayed to a God, to a sovereign king. Watch the Why is this prayer so revolutionary? Why when Jesus pulled up the seat and said, now listen to me. When you pray, when? Pray our Father. Every Pharisee within earshot would have had a heart attack. Why is that? Because Jesus claimed to be the son of what? And that was a problem for them. Jesus is literally saying here, be revolutionary in your prayer. Approach the throne as if you are an heir to the living one and only true God. Not pray, sovereign king, thou will, you know, thou big overarching controller. No, he says, Pray as if because he is your father. And did the disciples understand this at the time? No. He kept trying to tell them about him going to the cross, and they were having a hard time with that, right? But now, looking at years later, maybe 1,500, a couple thousand years ago, looking back, saying, he said, our father. This was the point he was trying to make to the Pharisees all along. It's a personal relationship. This is not something that you can win through your merits. This is not something that you can do as a checklist to approve a sovereign king, to approve someone that he can look down on you and say in favor, you did it, you got there. And we're going to get into that more in a minute. I'm going to pass on to that. But you understand the, the implications of Jesus saying, our father means that he was saying, I'm deity. I am his son. And I am now in a place and I'm telling you to do it. How could Jesus say that? He was the only one that had authority to say that. Jesus is the intermediator between God and man. And if Jesus says, call him dad, call him Abba, call him father, then you're going to own it and say, yes, sir, Jesus, father, revolutionary revolutionary. Never before a whole testament economy where they were living as God as the sovereign person that they were trying to approach and just not die. Jesus now says there's a relationship. He's your dad. And they didn't even understand the full implications, but that was because Jesus was there as the filter. He was there as the one saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to bore the brunt of wrath from our father And now you're going to be sons and daughters. What? This is a revolutionary shift in prayer from Old to New Testament. Weighty. You feeling that? The implication that he was God's son. Pharisees hated it. Moving on. Which art in heaven? The next word. Hallowed be thy name. In case the fact that he said, he's your father, call him dad. In case this new idea be taken for granted, understand who you're approaching. That word hallowed means reverenced. In high, the highest regard. The, the implications in the, in the Greek. It, it's reverence. It's deep regard, not only for him as a person, but his name. I am. Who sent you, Moses. I am. How do I, how do I translate that to people who don't think I have the authority as someone who is going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? Tell them that I am. Understand the implications of you calling him father is that his name is to be revered above every name. The buck stops with him. Do you approach God's word? Do you approach prayer with a lack of reverence? 
even this, what we're doing here, sitting together, exposing God's word, is this not serious? Is this not like an eternal game changer for us? I just feel like sometimes, I mean, let's just pause right now. We're only a few minutes into this, right? Uh, About 10 minutes, maybe 20, whoops. Uh, We're a few minutes into this. And think about your prayer life. Let's just pause and take a snapshot. Is that how you approached him this morning? Did you realize the revolutionary shift that you are now approaching God as a son and daughter? As someone who's a part of the family? Do you approach him with reverence? That's an understanding. Reverence is an understanding of what it took for you to get there. Uh, An understanding of who God is to love you so much to take someone who does not deserve that and show mercy on them. Are you feeling this? I'm not even going to talk about when we don't pray. It's just I think you'll end this passage and this message and go, For those of you that maybe it's been months since you've prayed, I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit deal with that. The fact that we have this access and we don't use it shouldn't even be entered into the equation. Do you see that? This should be a regular thing. I'm okay with some of you getting it wrong. Teach us to pray. There's been times in my life where I've got it wrong. But the fact that you just don't do it, I I mean, I don't really have much to say about that. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, reverence, Deep regard for his name. Be thy name. I could probably list off two, over 250 names that God called himself in the Bible. Each one with distinct purpose and distinct revelation for our lives. Counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, Jehovah, the provider. I mean, I could just sit here and just name name after name after name of the Bible uh, that the Bible gave him. We're to have reverence toward his names. Thy kingdom come. This could probably be one of the most powerful thoughts in the prayer for me, personally. This is where it hit me most. If you have your Bibles, go to Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6. Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6. This is intense. I'm not going to have time to expound on on this too much, but I want to read this just in case you're not aware. Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan... And bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones that they set upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of men, listen to this, that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, Neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned, who? With Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in this first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. When we pray, thy kingdom come, do you understand the power that you're praying to earth? Here was was a statement that I heard uh, from someone this week. Let heaven invade earth. When we are praying, thy kingdom come, we are praying, God, invade heaven, invade earth From heaven, thy kingdom come. Those verses that we just read tell us that something's coming. Jesus is coming back. And his second coming will be to set up and establish his kingdom for a thousand years here on this earth. And Satan will no longer deceive the nations. Satan will no longer have rule and reign. His deception will no longer have power. So when Jesus was saying, pray, 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is better than every name that is down here on this earth that will deceive, that will corrupt. Your name is above those names. They're better than than those names. Thy kingdom come. God, I want you to invade earth from heaven. I want you to bring your kingdom about. What are we saying? We understand the implications of the end times. We understand that Jesus wins. He's going to take the devil by the neck and he's going to throw him in the pit and he's going to seal it. Have a seat if you can. He's going to seal it. He's going to keep him down there and the nations will be deceived no longer. Church, church, listen. (laughs) When we pray, we pray believing. We pray knowing that Jesus wins. We haven't gotten to your problems yet. Have you noticed that? We haven't gotten to what we're praying about. We're not even there yet. Before we even get there, oh my goodness, you're my dad, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I don't even, I mean, I'm excited about this. This is cool. And I want you to know that your name is greater than every name. And and from that, I want you to bring that greatness down here. Because it's not so great down here. I'm seeing what's going on. The devil's still doing his thing. I want you to bring heaven to earth. Many of you don't even know the Bible says that Jesus is going to come and redeem this world and rule and reign for a thousand years. We haven't read the book of prophecy of Revelation that God promises. Do you know that God promised to give a blessing to all those who just read the book of Revelation out loud? God literally promised. Is that true? My friend's here today. God promised to bless those people who just read the book of Revelation out loud. Did you get a blessing? We don't take the time to do it. How many of us would go into prayer differently if we know that Jesus is going to come and he's going to bring his kingdom? How about if we knew that we were serving that kingdom instead of this kingdom? The devil's the prince and power of the air. He has principalities and powers lurking around every corner to trip you up, to condemn you, to keep you in fear, to keep you downtrodden, to keep you under the enemy's thumb. And all we got to do is pray above his name. Uh, This is way out of your pay grade, devil. And let me let you in on a little secret. He's going to snatch you up. Do we even know that? The implications here, I think, are the fact that you need to go into your prayer life with an understanding. And for some of you, that means you need to devote yourself to Bible study for the next six months to a year, for the rest of your life. That's me, right? It takes time. But the, the more you know about this kingdom, the more rich your prayer becomes. Because you're not praying for knowledge's sake, you're praying for heaven's sake to come to earth. I may go a little bit long this morning, just warning you, because i got a lot of stuff to cover. Listen to this. Everything in Christ's model is in reality a rehearsal of what God has affirmed to be true. Concerning both his person and his purpose, prayer seeks God's glory and aligns itself with the promises he has made in Scripture. God gave a model through Jesus to say, understand this, That everything you're praying for should be something that God has already affirmed to be true. Once again, another filter for you to put your prayer life through. Am I praying God's will be done? Am I praying through the filter of thy kingdom come? Is what I'm praying about, does it really matter in the scope of the kingdom? Yes or no? The implications are great, right? Do you believe that Jesus will rule and reign? Do your prayers reflect that? When I pray, I know, I know you're coming. I know you're winning. I'm on the winning team. Do your prayers reflect that? Thy will be done. That's the next statement here in verses 1 through 4. Accomplish your purpose. Look at it. Go back to Luke. Stay with me, church. Look at it. Verse number two, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and as in heaven, so on earth. We want thy will to be done. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're also praying for God's will to be done. 
Does it matter to you if His will is accomplished in your life? If prayer is the revelation of what God has already deemed to be true in His Word, then we should align ourselves with what God's Word says and pray that He accomplish that in our lives. Alright, you don't believe me? I sense that. I get it. Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little further. This is Jesus himself. And fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I, but as thou what? Will. Jesus himself, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but Jesus himself, when it came to accomplishing purpose, he said, what I'm about to do, I'm about to go to the cross, I'm about to bear everyone's sin. He was literally about to take your sin and mine on himself and bear the weight of that. And he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. In other words, can I get out of this? And he knew he couldn't. And he prayed what? Father, thy will be done. If Jesus prays, thy will be done, how much more should we be praying? Thy will, thy purpose be accomplished in our life. Colossians 3, 1 through 2. Paul said, and if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Now you see the transition. Where am I getting to? The nitty gritty. Right? We're getting down to the nitty gritty of prayer. Are you okay with saying, thy will be done? Are you okay with saying, my life is dead. What I want, my flesh, what I'm trying to accomplish, my purpose is dead. It's hid in Christ. Therefore, I'm going to seek those things which are above. Church, are you picking up on a pattern? The whole half of the Lord's Prayer is heaven first. Bring heaven to earth before He ever gets to earth. Before we ever talk about a problem. Before there's ever an issue even entered. We've, we've brought heaven down. Are your purposes even in that filter? If they're not, cut them off. We're not talking about that today. Grinding, going there, you know what I'm saying? If your purpose is in, in the front of your prayer, if what you think, what you want to accomplish, and where your thought process is, is in the front of it, does it fit in this model? Yes or no? Man, i got a lot more to do. The answer is no, it does not. If your purposes, if your plans, if what you desire on earth is not fitting into what he is desiring from heaven, then it should not come into your prayers. And that's what Colossians, Paul is explaining to us. He's saying, look at it. Don't look at it. I just read it to you. Set your affections on things above. Part of the problem is we are so focused and affectionate towards things that are down here. I am so affectionate towards fill in the blank. What do you spend your time doing? What is your hobby? Just whatever it is, go there in your mind. Your affection, you only have a certain amount of affection equity in your life. Only a certain amount. Hopefully your spouse is getting some of it. Hopefully your kids are getting some of it, right? Those purposes are things that God will accomplish his work and will in. So if your affection equity is going towards things that are not from above, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. So so we shouldn't even talk about those things in our prayer. I can sense it. Y'all be praying for stuff you shouldn't have. I'm feeling it. I can feel it. Bold, confident prayer results in communion with God. And all the, rich, all the rich blessings of His goodness, as believers experience the reality that He is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, Ephesians 3.20. I've heard, if I, I'd be a rich man if I got paid every time somebody said, God, God's just not doing it in my life. He's just not getting it done. How do you reconcile the fact that God promised to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think and the fact that everything you've asked for for the last 10 years, ain't none of it happened? I mean, I'm just saying. How are you doing in your prayer life? Man, I don't know. 
How do you reconcile that? There should be a contradiction. And that's why people, I honestly believe this after studying it more, I honestly believe this is why people leave church. Your prayers are not effective. I mean, if I went to work every day and I didn't produce one thing that my boss told me to produce, how long would I have a job? (laughs) See ya. But yet we don't take this seriously. We're clocking in and clocking out of church. Oh, the pastor is really excited about this message. He's definitely going to half after 12. Push the, push the St. Patty's reservation back. It's going to be a long one. I'm just saying, we're clocking in and clocking out of church. And you wonder why your prayers don't get answered. And you wonder why everything you set out to do doesn't happen. Or if it does happen, you're exhausted because you made it happen and not God. I've, I've been holding this marriage together for years. <laughs> together. I've got about 13 children. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> but you get the gist. We're doing it on our own. If you take your prayers for the last week and a half and run it through that filter, how many of you say, yeah, they fit, they align, great. Then chances are God's doing exceedingly above all you ask or think through the Spirit of God which is in you. But for all those that aren't, God bless you. you got to be feeling some weight. you got to be feeling the pain. Man, I give you six months in the church, and then I'll be praying for you because you're going to be gone. I'm just saying. Let's just be real. How many people already that came, came through this church and they didn't last? Just in the two years. I could give you... Why? Because they're coming for self. They're coming for self-help. They're coming for an inner hurt. And they have been on the path of healing for years and years and years and years and years. And I look at them and I go, man, that's... An, I think it. I don't say it. Man, that's an exhausting way to live. I mean, God help my poor wife. You, Lord knows she's got prayer on her side dealing with this cat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know how you folks deal with it. I really don't. But see, the prayer, the model that Jesus gave us, if you won't take advice from Jesus, Lord knows you're not going to take advice from me. I mean, that's the truth. Well, you know, I think you're under something, Pastor. No, I'm not. This is his model prayer. I'm just telling you what the man said. Okay, moving on. Wow. (laughs) For those of you that take a fatalist attitude, and I fell into this category for a little while. Okay. For those of you that... Are y'all doing okay? Are Are we being helped this morning? Okay. For those of you that take a fatalist attitude, it won't make a difference. How many have heard that? It won't make a difference. Prayer will not make a difference. Come on now. Be honest. None of you? Fatalist means... Uh, it's, it's going to end the way that it's going to end. We're all going to either die or it's, it's going to be accomplished regardless of whether I say anything or not. So part of this, I, f- I definitely fell into this trap. And this is part of it was a weak theological perspective on my end. But if prayer is accomplishing God's purpose, then why do I need to what? Pray. He's going to accomplish his purpose anyway. But there's one problem with that. God's purpose is for me to what? That's so simple. And it makes so much sense when you say it out loud. (laughs) But our minds deceive us. And we think it doesn't matter. If God made you, if God designed you flawlessly, remember he made you perfect before the fall. And he said, this is the way I want to talk to you. This is the way it's going to make sense to you. Then we should do what God says. That fatalistic, it's all going to work out the way it's going to work out or not, is not a healthy approach. Here's just a few things I jotted down of reasons why that doesn't make sense. Number one, Jesus prayed. That right then and there shuts that down, right? Because Jesus himself, we all knew that he was the Lamb of God slain before the what? Foundations of the world. It was in God's plan. Do you all believe that, yes or no? Okay, if you believe it because the Bible says it, then why would Jesus pray? It was all going to work out. There is something about prayer that accomplishes that work. It is a mechanism. 
It is, it is the mechanical end of your Christian life of how you accomplish God's purpose. Not the fact that it's there for some arbitrary reason that doesn't really exist in your mind because God's going to do His work anyway. No! He's going to accomplish His purposes through prayer. Amen. Do you understand? So for those that say, I'm just not even going to pray about it. God's just going to work His work anyway. Don't do that. Because he's, he's going to accomplish his work through prayer. Christ prayed. God wants to do above all that we ask or think. Ephesians 3.20 says that he wants you to ask. He wants you to think it. He wants you to desire it. He wants you in your heart to go, I wish God would do this. That's where it's like gasoline and fire. Yes, you desire me. There's a relationship. You're wanting my work, my plan to be accomplished in your life. Here it comes. Woo. Do you understand? But without prayer, there's no gun to shoot the bullets. I'm down here with a, with a trying to hold my, my casing. Oh, no. Oh, no. We lost it. When did I shut it off? Oh, no. I'm mad now. All right. Go to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. God bless. All of you on the podcast, I love you. Oh, man. You know what? The prince and power of the air. He ain't going to win this one. Go to Luke 18. Luke 18. That stinks. And Brandon says, you should have had a lavalier on. I told you. <laughs> Man, I'm getting it this week, bro. Luke 18, 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was a city, uh, there was a city, a judge, there was in a city a judge, sorry, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there's a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of my mighty, mighty adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, <laughs> nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she what? Weary me. There's one example in his teaching, in his parable of, of prayer. We should be persistent. Persistent. Look at the next one, verse 6. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Look at this next example. I'll probably sit on this for the remainder of the time. Verse number 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, mm, that were righteous and despised others, earth to heaven. They trusted in them what? 
and themselves. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. A Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I, listen, that I, I'm trying to find my spot, am not as men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast what? Twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, right? The publican, the one down there, standing afar off, would not lift so much as his eyes unto the heaven, but smote his breast, saying, what is it? God be what? Merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified. Ooh. Watch it. Rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be what? Abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be Jesus tells us to pray from the widow's perspective, but he tells us not to send our garbage up, but to pray forgiveness down. He says, I don't want your garbage. There's there's three parables there at the end of Luke chapter 11. We'll go to them next week. I want to park right here and end, end on this point. We're getting to the transition in the Lord's Prayer where we have brought heaven to earth. And he's about to transition to give us this day our daily bread, right? And then forgiveness, some of the things that we need. But I take you over to Luke 18. And I show you another place, just a few chapters later, where God says, here's two examples of how prayer should be, right? That was Jesus giving another parable. And one of them is just to say that you should continually be asking. Continually. It shouldn't stop. Pray without ceasing. Over and over. Because if this unjust judge will pardon the widow just because she's continually coming and wearing him out, how much more will God be with his elect whom he loves to accomplish the work that they desire to do with him? And then he pans over to the next story and he says let me tell you a story there's one man who's standing in the temple two went down to the synagogue one in the temple is standing there praying about who he is I tithe I mean it just went on and on I do good deeds I've got all these things to offer and I thank God that I'm not like That guy over there. Now, let's remember that in this day and age, this fellow down here, this publican, he was the lowest of the low. He was the one that society looked on as literally someone who's unworthy to eat dinner with them. So frame that in context. Jesus said that this guy, the publican, the worst of the worst, the thief, the robber, the extortioner, he walked away what? Justified. He walked away, we could almost say saved, and the other walked away lost. But in a lineup, church, we would have picked the Pharisee every day of the week. That fella, he's just got his stuff together. Let me just say, if something ever happened to my husband, (laughs) I'd be right there. I'd be right there. He's got his stuff together. He prays so well. Oh, just let that man start praying. They need to let him lead worship. That pastor needs to sit down and let Joe over there do it. Sorry, Joe, if you're here. I I just used that random name. Do you understand? That's what we do. We think that this guy over here gets his prayers answered. Your wires are crossed. We, We have been... We, we have been built in our American culture to believe that money is a win. It's a success. Your tithing, your service, the way you do ministry in your church, it means God's just answering your prayers. Jesus pulled back the curtain a little bit and said, he walked away going to hell, 
and he walked away going to heaven. What really matters? Lest I teach you to pray and you think that the outcome is la 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 la. But I'm serious. I mean, I'm just trying to be real with y'all. I always do that every week. I've been a part of church and ministry for a long time. I was born in the nursery. My mother literally birthed me in the church nursery and went into the service. I'm just saying. That didn't really happen. Close. I've grown up in church. And I could, dollar after dollar for all these guys. But how many real actual conversions where people felt like they could come in and it wasn't about them? It was about bringing heaven to earth. The Lord's Prayer should flip your world upside down. Literally. It should literally explain to you that what you're praying for should come from heaven and that you have nothing but garbage to offer up to it. I'm just saying. Jesus says, I'd rather have this guy, the one who is horrible and whose society would reject because his prayer His mechanics, his model was, God, I am nothing. You are everything. Bring your everything to me. God loves that. Here you are. You're in the worst of ways. You finally came to yourself. You realized that what you were doing for all those years wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. And then you prayed that you wanted me. You wanted the God of all mercy, the only one who could solve your problem. You want to bring heaven to earth? He didn't even ask for three wishes. Boom! You walk away justified. Boom! You get it. Now, oh my goodness, what would a church do in 2019 if all of us would get on our faces and we would say, God, we have nothing to offer you. I'm already coming, trying to live a righteous life, trying to do these things, and I know I can't accomplish it on my own. I'm trying to reach my family. I'm trying to live in front of my wife, uh, you know, just the right way, Father, and show her the love that Christ loved me with. I need you. Boom. Grace. Boom. Mercy. And He works it from Him that is within us. The Holy Spirit produces love. Produces joy. Are we getting it? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's the statement that I want you to walk away with today. Bring heaven to earth. Bring heaven to earth. What is the Lord's Prayer? It's a prayer to bring heaven to earth. Say that with me. Bring heaven to earth.